Welcome to Piedmont Arts. I'm Rachel Stewart. In April of 2012, UNC Charlotte and the Charlotte community presented the North American premiere of Violins of Hope, a performance featuring violins with Holocaust histories. Since that time, nearly 20 American cities have hosted concerts and exhibitions with these special instruments. And they returned to the Queen City in late April for the East Coast premiere of a new song cycle about the violins composed by Jake Heggie. And the new song cycle is called Intonations, Songs from the Violins of Hope. And it takes its inspiration from stories found in the book written by UNCC musicologist James Grimes. And that uh, book is called Violins of Hope, Instruments of Hope and Liberation in Mankind's Darkest Hour. I'm pleased to welcome both Jake Heggie and James Grimes to this edition of Piedmont Arts. And uh, thank you both for being here. And James, do you want to be called James or Jay? Jay's fine. Okay. Jay, since you've been working on this project for such a long time, I wondered if you could just give us a background or a quick history of Violins of Hope. Tell us what it is. Violins of Hope is a collection of instruments that were owned and played by Jewish musicians before and during the Holocaust. And these instruments have been collected and restored by Israeli violin maker Amnon Weinstein and his son Avshalom over the past 20 years or so. And the collection continues to grow. There were a few dozen when we brought the violins to Charlotte in 2012. Last time I spoke to Avshi Weinstein, he said, I think there were 88 instruments in the collection. How do they keep finding them? That sounds like a lot. As word gets out about this project, people become interested in bringing violins to us. And it seems as if almost every city we visit, there will be a child or a grandchild perhaps of a survivor that has this violin that accompanied their family member throughout this journey, wherever it took them, whether it was in an exile, they were able to get out, but the violin accompanied them on that journey, or maybe they were in a camp or ghetto. And they have this instrument that's very valuable to the family, but is sitting in a closet somewhere. And so for those family members, bringing these instruments to the Violence of Hope collection is a way of making sure not only that the instrument is being loved and taken care of, but more importantly, that it's being played all over the world and the story of this violin and therefore the story of their family continues to be told. Jake, can you talk a little bit about how you got involved in this project and, and why you wrote this piece of music? Oh, sure. It was about five years ago that a good friend of mine, uh, Patricia Christoph Moy, who runs a series south of San Francisco called Music at Cole Mansion, approached me and said, have you ever heard of the Violins of Hope? And I hadn't. And she explained what the collection is. And she said her goal was to bring it to the West Coast for the first time. And as a centerpiece, she wanted to commission a new work that would be played on the violins themselves. So of course, I was hugely challenged, but really intrigued and excited because social justice figures prominently in my work, as do stories of survival. And I've written quite a few Holocaust-themed pieces. So I asked my uh, writing partner, Gene Shear, we've done the operas, um, Moby Dick, It's a Wonderful Life, If I Were You, Three Decembers, and a lot of songs. And he was on board immediately as well, because we saw there was a way to tell this in a very heartfelt, surprising, and historic, contemporary, you know, it, that it would have resonance beyond 
the stories themselves, that people would, would engage with it in a very special way. I'm so proud of the work that we did and that all, everyone did in, in, in making it happen, because of course it takes a whole community to create something like that. You did refer to the stories that are in Jay's book. Is that right? Is that, was that the starting place? Yeah, it is the starting place, which is why we have a singer. We were thinking, I don't know, how are we going to do this? Because we were going to have a quartet, a string quartet of four of the instruments, because there is one viola and one cello in the collection. The rest are violins. And we were going to have a solo violinist, the great Daniel Hope. And then I thought, what if we had a singer to represent the voice of the violin so that that violin could tell the story of what happened to her during that particular period of her existence? So like Jay said, a lot of these instruments had big histories before the Holocaust. So it was just part of their journey, but a big part of their journey. And so with Jay's stories and a few others, we wove these stories where the singer could step forward and, and in the first person talk about the experience of that violin while Daniel Hope is playing the violin and, and, and this quartet of instruments is backing him up. It was really thrilling and surprising. And we call it intonations because this is what the instruments do. They intone, they sing. This is why families want to restore these instruments. Those, those instruments are meant to sing, to be held and through human hands and through collaboration, make music that touches and moves our hearts. And so we found a way not only for them to sing, but also to hear their stories. I'm curious about your interest in writing about subject matter like this. And you said, you know, you've you've written about the Holocaust before. You've you know got an opera, Dead Man Walking, which is a very painful story to to tell. What draws you to these stories, and and how it seems to me like it'd be really, you know, you'd want to be very careful how you portray these stories. They're very challenging to be sure, but they're human stories, you know, deeply, deeply human stories and truly human stories are universal. I'm drawn to those stories because they are deeply dramatic and human, but they're also stories of perseverance and survival. And even though many of the, the owners of these instruments in that time did not survive, the instruments did, and now the music can continue. That's a very different kind of survival and resonance. But uh, I, I actually got started on this path with a, an amazing woman named Minna Miller out of Seattle who created a, an organization called Music of Remembrance. And she approached me in 2005 about writing a one-act opera on the story of the persecution of gays during the Holocaust, which I knew nothing about. And that became a, a piece called For a Look or a Touch which has now been done all over the world. And then we did another one called Another Sunrise about a Polish survivor, a woman named Krystyna Zawolska and how she survived that harrowing uh, journey. And then we combined those into a full evening opera called To Remain, the number two, To Remain. And we've also done some other pieces for a minute and we're doing another one next year. Really dramatic, engaging pieces. There is information, but you're also, when you're creating a piece like this, that's based on truth, you're mining emotional truth. And so some, you know, we don't have every single detail of what happened in these moments and to these people, but we can illuminate what we do know through music because music takes us further the, into the journey than, than words alone can do. It's been an amazing journey and very gratifying that the pieces have been so well received and have resonated so strongly.
Jane, can you talk a little bit about your experience with these stories and how you got associated with Violins of Hope and, um, and why it's important to you to carry these stories forward? I was not part of the team that brought the Violins of Hope to Charlotte in 2012, but it was the College of Arts and Architecture, excuse me, where I work, that did that. And so as a member of the faculty, as a musician, as a music historian, I was really fascinated by this idea of music being able to be not just something we do for the love of it or something we do as a profession, but making the difference between whether people lived or died based on their ability to make music. That was quite profound for me. So in 2011, I took a trip out to Tel Aviv and met with Amnon Weinstein in his workshop and saw the violins and started learning some of their stories. And it was during that trip that I became inspired to write the book, Violins of Hope. And then the university and college brought the violins to Charlotte in 2012. And I spent the next year writing and researching. And then the book came out in 2014. Is there a particular, I think it'd be interesting for people to hear uh, a particular story that comes, and actually each of you could tell one of these stories that, that you wanna share. One of the stories that for me was the most profound and frankly difficult to write is that of Fievel Vinegar, who was taken on a death march with his family through the rain and snow of Romania in what's now the territory called Transnistria. And along the way, he watched as his friends and family members died from starvation, exhaustion, exposure, brutality from the guards, including his uncle, and his mother. And he had with him his 18-month-old daughter, Helen, who was barely surviving herself. They found their way to a ghetto where he got his hands on a violin and played this violin for Ukrainian parties and events for the Romanian guards. And through playing the violin, he was able to earn enough food, water, and firewood to bring home to his family in the ghetto to save not only his own life, but that of 16 family members and friends, including young Helen. And I was writing this chapter, and many of the chapters were very difficult to write, and I would have to do it in sort of short spurts because it was, it was too difficult. And that was particularly difficult because I was writing about this young man, a father, a recent father of this daughter, Helen, who was 18 months old. And at the time, I had just recently become a father, and my daughter, also named Helen, was the exact same age. Wow. Yeah, it's it's they're very powerful stories, Jay, and you wrote them so beautifully. There are two. The first one is very short, and it's how the the, the piece opens, which is Amnon tells of one of the very first violins, and Amnon opened the 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 case of the violin, not the violin case, but the cover, the front of the violin, to look inside and see what it needed, and it was filled with ashes. You know, it's like so shocking. And that's where you know these violins have stories to tell. Um, and so that's, that's the first song. It's the voice saying, whose ashes? How could it happen? I was never meant to be an urn. I was meant to sing and dance. And it's, it's, a, it's an amazing start to the whole cycle as it was for Amnon, Amnon's journey. And meeting Amnon and Afshi, you just, they're irresistible. Their hearts are so big and they're so welcoming and, and remarkable. The other story is Motala Schlein which is an amazing story. He was a, a kid who had lost his family and was hiding in the woods and was forced to play for the Nazi officers club 
because he was a gifted young uh, prodigy. And uh, what he did was he snuck gunpowder in his violin case to the club every day and left it in the basement of the officer's club until he had enough to explode the whole thing. And so it was his way of getting revenge to avenge his family and all the people he knew that had been killed. That's another remarkable story. I tell you, these stories are just mind-blowing of survival and the heroic things that people did. Is that uh, also in the, the song cycle? Yes, yes. And that has uh, woven in through it the beautiful Mendelssohn violin concerto, um, because we imagine him as a prodigy playing the Mendelssohn, which was such, it is such an important piece and certainly was for Jewish musicians in that time. And I would imagine he probably could not play that for the officers. <laughs> but... yeah, unless they just didn't know. Because <laughs> well, it's not good tunes. You know? That's but, true. You know, but you know, <laughs> definitely wasn't, it was definitely forbidden to do so. This piece was really challenging to write, not only because of the emotional content, but also because in each piece, we had to give some history, we had to give perspective, we had to tell the story. And uh, that's, a, that's a tall order. And then also orchestrating it, you have to remember it's a string quartet with a solo violinist and a voice. And in the last movement, we introduce a young violinist who is representative of carrying on the tradition of playing these violins and telling the story. So. You have a lot of people, you know, to, to give a lot of stuff to, but it, it, it turned out really, really well. I'm very proud of it. And it, we did it all over the Bay Area uh, initially during that residency, including at Grace Cathedral and at uh, a couple of temples in the Bay Area. And of course, the premiere at uh, Music at Cole Mansion. And it was actually supposed to be done at uh, Temple Emmanuel in New York at the end of March, but they canceled it early on because of COVID. And I had made a special arrangement of the piece just for string orchestra in time for that. And that is now what um, UNCC is going to do. And I don't guess, are you going to, you're not going to be able to be here for that, are you? I won't be able to be there, unfortunately, but I, yeah. Jay is so good about keeping me informed. Uh, he's Yeah, absolutely. I think the value of collaboration is watching other people take your ideas and, and do something that you could have never imagined. Yeah. And that's certainly true in this piece, these stories that I had spent years researching and then what Gene and Jake did with them, taking them in completely different directions that I, I'm not smart enough to even imagine. And then to see them taking the same source material and coming up with such a different product, but such a beautiful product has mm -hmm. is, is really been a joy of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. I feel like this project has had maybe longer legs than anybody would have realized when it was started. I'm not sure how, when did it, was it in the nineties really that Amnon started the restorations? Re, yeah, really in the mid nineties, it then started to see it as a project that could be, could travel and tour uh, in the first decade of the two thousands. And then Charlotte was the first time they'd been anywhere in the Western hemisphere. And that set a standard for other communities yeah, it's, it makes me wonder what can come next. Well, there's so many stories and, and it is so important to tell the stories. It's everything. It's our responsibility. I think that's part of the reason I'm so drawn to these stories is they just must be told. Otherwise, you know how short cultural memory is. It just all disappears. But when you put something into the arts, into theater, into song, into literature, it has a chance of resonating into the future. And that's where, you know, who knew we'd be at this place again with what's going on in Ukraine. That's why it's so important to sing out 
with this kind of uh, with this kind of project in this moment. Yeah, it, it occurred to me that these uh, performances on April 26th and 28th and that are coming to our community will have a certain kind of resonance that they may not have had a year ago. I don't know. Since there are so many other stories that have come to light, I wonder if either one of you sees yourself um, either doing another edition of the book or another cycle of songs or anything like that. People ask me about, you know, Violence of Hope, Volume 2. And there are, are certainly enough stories. In fact, when I was writing Violence of Hope, it seemed every time I talked to Amnon, he had found another violin that he wanted to excitedly tell me about. And we reached a point at which I said, you know, just don't tell me. If, I don't <laughs> care how good the story is. If I keep hearing these stories and writing about them, I'm never going to finish this book. So... We, we sealed it off with those six stories and there have been some very inspirational stories that have come in to the collection since, surely enough for two or three more volumes. Yeah, and as, as for new songs, definitely I could see, I could see a second piece. Although, you know, it's, it's, it exists, the first one exists so strongly on its own. I wanna be very careful about a sequel to make sure that it would be its own thing. <laughs> Uh, but it's definitely a possibility. But I felt like we really explored a gamut in that first cycle. It feels very complete and and strong. It didn't leave me wanting more in terms of more stories. It felt like we covered so much ground and there was so much resonance within it. But I could definitely see, uh, you know, if the right idea comes along for how to present it, I could see something else happening for sure. Well, I want to just mention very quickly um, before we wrap up, where those concerts are that are coming to Charlotte. Community Yom Hashoa uh, will have a commemoration on April 26th at 7 p.m. at the Stan Greenspan Center at Queens University. And then there will be uh, another concert, uh, same repertoire, April 28th at 7.30 p.m. at UNC Charlotte. And before we finish up, I just thought, do either one of you have anything you'd like to add? or any other observations about violence of hope? I would say when you go to see, when you go to attend this concert, don't be afraid. It's a very emotional experience, but it's also very redemptive and deeply inspiring, I think. They're called violins of hope. And I think that's very key. And Jay, do you want to say a little more about that? Yes. One thing that they did with the storyline of the song cycle is they really did turn it into a motion of redemption at the very end. They go through five of the stories from the book, and then there is an instrumental only lament that sets the scene for this final movement that ties the piece into its origins as a piece to commemorate the liberation of Auschwitz. And that is when sort of the lightness, the darkness rather turns to light, and it turns from a piece of remembrance and telling these stories and now passing them on to the next generation to learn from these stories and to continue to grow as a culture. Well, I want to thank you both for taking some time to talk to us about this uh, unique and meaningful project and the, the music that we'll be able to hear in late April. And thank you both for the work you've done with Violins of Hope, helping to, uh, like you said, make sure that future generations know about these instruments, the people who had them, and the experience that they went through. So thank you both. Thank, thank you. you. Too. Great to be with you today. For Piedmont Arts, 
I'm Rachel Stewart.